Welcome to the Yogi Fuel Podcast, the podcast that's all about up-leveling your health, your practice, and your consciousness. We'll be taking the ancient wisdom of yoga and Ayurveda mixed with modern science, having conscious conversations with spiritual thought leaders and alternative health professionals, and sometimes just me sharing my own experiences and knowledge to support you on your spiritual journey. I'm your host, Melissa Singh, and this is the Yogi Fuel Podcast. All right, guys, in this episode, I'm going to be going over something I've had a lot of requests to dive a little bit deeper into, and that is the doshas. And if you follow me on social media, if you've been reading my blogs lately and you know looking at my recipes lately, something I've been really trying to incorporate in those recipes is different ways that we can balance the various doshas by making, you know, little tweaks to the recipes. I've been talking a lot more about the doshas. And so naturally you guys have been asking me more about the doshas. So in this episode, like I said, I'm going to break down each of them, hopefully in a really easy to understand manner and in a way that sort of allows you to gain a little bit more insight into the doshas, the role that they play, you know, in our lives and to understand your dosha a little bit more. So if you haven't already, definitely download and take the dosha quiz. I'm going to include the link in the show notes. I'm going to include it in the post. So if you go to melissasing.com forward slash podcast, you click the link on this podcast. I think it's podcast number seven. Crazy. So many podcasts already. So I encourage you to take the quiz and then come back and listen to the different things that I have to say about the doshas and just a little bit of a note before we get started. So when you're taking the quiz, basically what you're going to do, the different um, columns, I guess, are indicative of each different dosha, vata, pitta, kapha. And so you're going to get a certain number of qualities that are attributed to vata, to pitta, to kapha. So you might notice that you have one column that's like, like, you have the most number of ticks in that column. So then maybe you're, you know, say mostly kapha with a little bit of pitta and vata. You might notice that you have two columns that are pretty similar in number, which means that you might be like, you have two predominant doshas. So I have two predominant doshas. I'm a pitta kapha. It's very, very common. Or maybe you take the quiz and you notice you've got a pretty equal distribution of all three. That is pretty rare and pretty exciting. and means that you're tridoshic, which means you've got a nice even balance of all three. And I want to just say from the very beginning that um, there isn't one dosha that's like better than the other. So you, you know, don't take the quiz and think, oh man, I got kapha, that sucks. Like, no, (laughs) it's just your constitution. It's just a quiz. It's just a, um, you know, a representation of you and your your nature, your doshic nature. So maybe I'll get into talking about the doshas a little bit more um, so that this makes a little bit more sense for you. So something that's really important to understand and why doshas are so important is that Ayurveda is basically the science of the doshas, right? So once we understand the doshas, Ayurveda is really easy because everything else kind of comes from this concept of the doshas. And to me, doshas give us this language to talk about the the qualities that are inherent within us. And so we're all born with this, you know, particular genetic makeup, let's say, and that is basically what our dosha is or our prakriti. It's this, you know, um, 
It's the elements that we are made up of. And the idea around Ayurveda is that we want to get familiar with our dosha. We want to get familiar with our, you know, genetic makeup and the different things that sort of, you know, constitute us. And then we want to live in harmony with it. And that's really what Ayurveda is about. It's giving us, us a language to talk about, you know, these different qualities, these physical characteristics, you know, our digestive power, our mental characteristics. That's all. If you've taken the dosha quiz, there's a ton of different questions that, you know, range everywhere from like, you know, the thickness of your hair to the size of your forehead to, you know, your digestive power, your hunger, your mental, you know, fluctuations. All of those things are um, different qualities or characteristics of the various doshas. And so, like I said, Ayurveda is about understanding, hmm, what are these, you know, natural... So for example, if you look at your, you know, body frame, well, you were born that way and you can't really change that. So our doshic constitution, according to Ayurveda, if you're a kapha, you would have a bit of a, you know, bigger, maybe stockier frame. According to Ayurveda, you're just, it's just that you're a kapha constitution and that's what has sort of given you that larger safe frame. And so, like I said, Ayurveda is about understanding the dosha, giving a language to those, um, qualities and then learning to, and practicing living in harmony with those things. So dosha actually literally translates to, uh, fault or that which darkens or spoils or causes things to decay. And it's important to understand that doshas aren't inherently bad. There's nothing inherently detrimental or, you know, spoiling about them. It's just that when our doshas, so in Ayurveda, we look at dis-ease as a state of the doshas being out of balance or in excess. And so it's that in excess, that state of imbalance that darkens or spoils. And so that's why doshas are sort of referred to in that way is because we really look at disease as coming from an imbalance of the doshas. And another very important note is that we are not just one dosha. So like I talked about before, yes, you might take this quiz, the dosha quiz, and you might be mostly kapha, you might be mostly pitta and kapha, you might be mostly vata, but you'll notice that you do have little ticks, little check marks under each of the categories. So we do have all of the doshas in us at all times, right? The doshas really are each a representation of the five mahabhutas, which are the five um, great elements of air, ether, fire, water, and earth. And we have all of these qualities within us. We just as individuals have varying amounts of those qualities within us. And so that's where this whole idea of our prakriti, our natural state or dominant dosha comes from. And the other thing to understand as well is that we are constantly in a flux, right? So varying times of the day, different seasons, you know, depending on your diet, your lifestyle, other, you know, factors like your age, the time of your life, are you going through a stressful period? We are always going to be in a constant flux with which dosha is dominating in each moment. And so it's important, like I said, to really don't get so caught up in like, I am a kapha this is the only thing that applies to me. Like, don't be so attached. Like, you know, back in the day I would, you know, I knew what my dosha was and I would only read stuff about kapha dosha because I knew I was like pretty kapha or I'd only read stuff about pitta, but we have all these qualities in us and it's important to tune into, okay, what are the different qualities of each dosha so that you can tune into those qualities and notice them as they come up in you, right? Doshas are just like a word that describes this general group of qualities. And those qualities are constantly in a state of flux within us. And so as I talk about the doshas, as I go over the qualities, don't just skip over something because you're not vata, you know? understand the qualities of each of the doshas because they are all within you. They're going to come up at, at some point in your life, you're going to have an excess of vata. And so understanding 
the qualities of vata, the characteristics of vata, the characteristics of a vata imbalance are important so that you can say, hmm, wow, I'm feeling really like vata imbalanced right now. And then you can take measures to balance your vata. That is what Ayurveda is all about. In Ayurveda, we like to talk about this um, concept of like increases like and opposites balance. And this is probably the most important thing to note in terms of doshas. It's like if we understand the qualities of vata, the qualities of pitta, the qualities of kapha, and what that looks like in a state of imbalance, all we need to do, I say all we need to do, it's not that simple, (laughs) but if you're in like a really low level state of imbalance, you just need to implement the opposite quality to restore a state of balance. It's super simple. So let's get into it. So the first dosha we're going to talk about is vata dosha. And vata dosha is associated with the qualities of air and ether, and it literally translates to that which moves things. So it's this quality of movement, and it's the prime force of our nervous system, and it is actually the motivating force behind the other two doshas. They actually say that vata dosha is the most important dosha because it influences the other two doshas because it's that thing that moves things. And it is associated with our basic life force or prana that primarily comes from breath, which is that energizing force for the whole body. So the qualities of vata, and this is what's really important to understand, are dry, light, cold, rough, and subtle. And so vata, by the way, so we have vata in our body, but vata is present in our food. Vata is present in nature. Vata is present in our minds, right? So whenever we, so if we look outside, right, different seasons have different doshas associated with them. So if you think about dry, light, cold, rough, subtle, mobile, these are the qualities of the fall, right? The leaves dry up, it gets kind of cold, the leaves get dry and crispy. So the fall is a very vata time of year. We lead into winter. It's also, you know, in the beginnings of winter, it can be quite vata as well. And so this is a time of year that we really want to focus on adopting those opposite qualities. And when you think about naturally the kind of foods that we tend to favor in the fall and winter, it's like these warm, hearty, heavier grounding foods that are the opposite in quality to what the outside nature is like. And so that is this like really primal, like Ayurvedic concept that we almost do naturally, right? So eating seasonally naturally is a dosha balancing thing, which is pretty cool, right? So like I said, nature has the qualities of the doshas and, but so do we. So I want to talk a little bit about the physical characteristics of people who are vata. If you've taken the vata, the vata quiz, it's not a vata quiz. If you've taken the dosha quiz, you might have noticed um, these things and you might've ticked these boxes, but I just want to talk a little bit about the characteristics of each dosha. So if you are a vata person from a physical perspective, you're generally probably either taller or shorter, but you definitely have a petite frame. You'd probably have thin hair, find it hard to gain weight. Um, from a mental perspective, you're probably more like erratic in nature. Your mood probably fluctuates. You might prefer physical activities that are like, um, creative or like moving in nature. And you might find it hard to stick to one activity and you might find that your immune system, your ability to like ward off disease tends to be uh, inconsistent. So you might have a sort of variable immunity and generally Vata people have trouble sleeping and they generally prefer really artsy type creative activities. And like I said, no dosha is bad. Each dosha has their positive attributes and they have their not so positive attributes. So Vata's, when Vata's are imbalanced, Vatas are like super creative. They go with the flow. They're adaptable. They're flexible, like mentally. They probably could be flexible physically as well, but they've got this light, 
balanced, like just think of like this flowing, great, like creative person um, who's really able to go with the flow. But when in excess or imbalanced, like I said, Vata is the easiest because it's all about moving and Um, you know, it's associated with prana and ether, which are these really subtle energies. It's really easy for vata to come out of balance. And so when vata is imbalanced, like I said, which can be quite easy, you might feel like you're kind of losing your mind (laughs) and you might feel like this disconnect between your body and your mind. And you might experience anxiety or, you know, just like that spacey airy feeling where you feel like you can't ground, you feel like you just, you know, just super, super disconnected. So that like from a mental perspective and then in a physical perspective, you might start to notice, I don't want to say like decay, but you'll probably start to lose a lot of weight. Um, and you might start to get lots of like physical gas. You might start to experience things like arthritis. Arthritis is actually like a deep Vata, um, imbalance. And when we think, so each of the doshas has a primary site in the body. And because Vata is governed by air and ether, Vata governs the spaces in the body, the spaces of air in the body. So think about like the joints, like the airy parts of the joints and the colon and the intestines, um, the lungs as well, right? These, these spaces that spaces, not spaces, the places where air and space tend to occupy them. I hope that makes sense. (laughs) So, um, I want to tell you an interesting story because this happened to me a few years ago and I thought it was really cool. And I was like being a big Ayurveda nerd about it, but so I was feeling really anxious this one day. And like I said, so Um, Not only does nature have qualities of different doshas, but food, food, um, we can classify this based on dosha. So um, you might read, I don't have anything on my website like this yet. I'm working on it, but there are different food charts for the different doshas. You can, you know, easily Google foods that are good for vata balancing, foods that are good for kapha balancing. You can just Google that. Um, So different foods, like I said, have those different qualities. Again, like light, dry, cool, whatever. So I was feeling kind of anxious this one day and I wasn't super into Ayurveda at this point. I was feeling anxious. I was really hungry, but I wasn't feeling like something warm. I wanted a salad for some reason. Salad, raw salad with like, I don't know, like a vinaigrette dressing is like the epitome of like a vata food. So anything raw, guys, is going to aggravate vata. So I have this salad thinking, oh, you know, because we live in this world where salads are super healthy and, you know, I think I might have been feeling anxious about something and, you know, I was into my health. Obviously, I'm into my health. So I was like, I'm going to have a salad. And so first of all, I felt anxious, felt more anxious after the salad, not really realizing like this is a very vata disturbing, provoking food. And I felt so bloated, like painfully bloated after I had the salad. I can't even tell you. And I remember later talking with my husband and he's super into Ayurveda. If you know Vikram, he is an Ayurveda nerd slash practitioner slash awesome human. And we were talking about how funny that was like the vata like just accumulated in my like intestines and gave me the worst, um, you know, bloating, but it started as anxiety. It started as this like mental manifestation and then it became a physical manifestation. And I was like nerding out so hard. I thought it was so interesting that what started as like a, a mental manifestation actually became physical. Super cool. So if you're experiencing an excess of Vata, what's super simple is understanding those qualities. Like I said, dry, light, rough, Um, cold, looking at those um, qualities and then implementing the opposite 
thing. So from a food perspective, we can look at those qualities and choose foods that have the opposite quality. Um, and from, so there's like these ways of balancing our doshas that we can use food. We can also use things like meditation or a yoga practice. And I wrote an article on AYCT, the Ashtanga Yoga Center of Toronto blog, all about how your dosha might impact your practice. And I really wrote it from like the perspective of mentally. So if you're a vata, just go over that really quickly. If you're a vata, you might approach practice from this really spacey, frantic, all over the place kind of attitude, or you might notice that that quality shows up for you a lot on the mat. And so one of the recommendations I gave in that blog for just like calming your vata is um, my teacher, David Frawley, my Ayurvedic teacher, that is David Frawley would say that it's not what we do necessarily. It's the manner in which we do it that will have an effect or an impact on calming our dosha. So there are specific asanas, which are vata balancing in Ashtanga. Specifically, we do the same asanas every single day. We're not necessarily concerned with specific dosha balancing um, asanas. But my advice to you, if you're listening to this and you're a practitioner, is if you're vata, come at your practice from a grounded perspective. Take deep, long breaths um, don't rush your way through practice, really give yourself time to like ground and like stick in the pose, you know, maybe do some abhyanga before your practice. I've been doing abhyanga before my practice. It's been amazing. Um, and we're going to be talking, I've got two amazing guests coming on the podcast next week, talking all about abhyanga and dinacharya, but so I won't get into that right now, but basically doing things that are going to help ground you, um, daily, um, Dinacharya, so like a daily grounding routine would be super helpful for someone who's Vata. Dinacharya is good for everybody, by the way. Again, we'll talk about that in that Dinacharya podcast, but um, just doing things that are going to be really grounding each day. I feel like I've said the word grounding like a thousand times, um, <laughs> but really creating consistency in your life, I think is super important for Vatas. It's important for everyone, but especially for Vatas who tend to, you know, be really spacey, be really out there, creating like a sense of groundedness in your life, in your practice, in your eating routine. So, so, so important for vatas. All right, going on to pitta dosha. So I, if you didn't know already, I tend to be pretty pitta dosha and the pitta dosha is associated with fire and water and pitta literally translates to that which digests things. And it actually comes from the Sanskrit word tap, which means to heat, to cook or transform. And so if you're familiar with yoga and this idea of tapas, austerity, discipline, that's sort of like the root of that word as well. And so pitta is really responsible for all the transformation in the body on both a chemical and a metabolic level. So what that means is that it governs not only like our physical digestion of food, but it governs our mental digestion. And this is something I don't think we consider is that we have this physical digestive system, which we all kind of understand, but we also have this like mental digestive system as well. By the way, Sats is here. So she's playing in the background. So if you hear anything, that is her. Hashtag mom life. Uh, this is how we record podcasts. I'm actually impressed, to be honest, that she's just like occupying herself, playing happily. So back to Pitta. <laughs> so the qualities of Pitta, again, we're going to go back to these qualities because the qualities are so important for understanding the doshas. So Pittas are a little oily, which in Ayurveda we call unctuous. And I feel like I talked about this on a previous podcast and I said unctuous, unctuous, um, sharp, hot, light, unpleasant in odor. Sometimes they can be mobile and liquid. And like I said, Pitta is not only in all of these doshas, by the way, are not only in the body, but they're also in the mind. And so this whole idea of digestion, um, goes for the body, but also our mind. And so this idea of perceiving things, um, and understanding our intelligence, our courage, these things are all related to Pitta dosha. 
And so the characteristics of pitta, so pittas are kind of in the middle, right? <laughs> so kaphas are on the extreme of being like a little bit bigger. Vatas tend to be smaller and thinner. Pittas are like in the middle. So people who are pitta are like moderately developed. They probably have like more muscular build. They're generally pretty strong. Um, and like I said, they're in the middle when they call come to all physical characteristics. So if you're like, I don't know, I'm not really big. I'm not really small. You're probably pitta. <laughs> and pittas, because fire, they have a really strong agni or digestive fire and they do not like heat. I'm so pitta. I hate being hot. It's like I know I'm about, to, I'm about to go to India for like a month and I love India. It's wonderful, but like I hate being super hot. This is a big sign of Pitta. If you're someone who hates the summer, you're Pitta. Um, <laughs> Pittas are also very smart. Hair flip. That's me. Just kidding. <laughs> a little bit smart, I guess. Uh, they're logical, but on the flip side, they can get angry and really irritated easily. Um, and Pitta people tend to really like like competitive sports. They like debating. They really like eating which is me. And like I said, uh, mentally, they tend to have a lot of courage and fearlessness when they're in balance. So let's talk a little bit about imbalance and out of balance. So when Pitta is well-balanced, you are like determined, courageous, you're strong-willed, you like stand in your power, you're super sure of yourself, you're confident, you're strong physically, mentally, you've got this like kick-ass digestive system, you're super smart, you grasp new concepts and yeah, like just these really strong powered individuals. But when Pitta is out of balance, Oh, buddy, <laughs> this is going to manifest like anger, frustration, like think, you know, hot, hot headedness, irritability, frustration, um, from a mental perspective and from a physical perspective, anything that's like ath- ath- acid, acid reflux, feeling really hot, any fever, any inflammation, these are characteristics of a pitta imbalance. And so something that's really important for pittas, um, Pittas don't need a lot of spice, right? So when we look at it from an Ayurvedic perspective, spices, spices are really important to help with agni or digestive fire. Pittas have a very strong agni to begin with. And so pittas do not need a lot of spice. In fact, spice is pitta aggravating and not necessarily like a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of ginger. That's actually ginger is pretty hot. I would stay away from ginger for the most part, but hot like spice as in like a hot sauce, so aggravating for pitta. And I was listening to this awesome podcast with David Frawley. And something that's so important to understand is that these ideas um, of, you know, doshas going in and out of balance through, you know, foods, this can happen over a long period of time. I'm someone who likes hot sauce. I actually think that's like the interesting thing about doshas is so I'm pitta. And what we tend to do, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but when we're out of balance, it's like we want to stay out of balance, not mentally, but like like attracts like. So if I'm in a state of pitta imbalance, like subconsciously, I'm going to crave pitta imbalancing things, spicy foods, you know, being hot. And I'm like, there's this low key sense of wanting to like continue that aggravation, if that makes sense. So you might be craving spicy food as a pitta, but if you're feeling irritated, frustrated, if you're having any of those pitta imbalancing um, symptoms, lay off the spice because slowly but surely over time, you know, favoring hot sauces and super spicy foods and tons of spices is going to imbalance your pitta, especially in the summer. So in the summertime, we really want to stay away from spice. Maybe in the wintertime, even if you're pitta, I incorporate, you know, pitta spices in the, or pitta spices. I incorporate spices in the winter, even though I'm pitta, but, um, I'm really mindful of it. And I start to pay attention once I find myself getting, you know, kind of frustrated or like, you know, hot headed, I lay off the spice. So that's just something to understand about Pitta. If we want to balance Pitta, again, we want to employ the opposite characteristics. So we want to have things that are maybe a little bit sweeter, that are cooler, that are, they can be a little bit heavier, um, but we don't want to favor things that are spicy or hot in temperature. Those are things that are going to aggravate Pitta. 
Uh, and pitta season, by the way, is like the summertime, right? So like I talked with vata, we think about the qualities of vata, like are really uh, characteristic of fall. Pitta is like go, spring going into summer, total pitta season. And this naturally, again, spring and summer, we want to start eating cool salads, like, you know, like cold, you know, lemonades and stuff. Like we naturally crave anti-vata slash vata balancing foods, right? Like a cool cucumber salad sounds really good in the summertime. You know, these like cool salads, like I said, so we naturally will crave those things. And Ayurveda, again, our bodies are naturally designed when we tune into our our body and our, and our cravings. And when we're well connected, we will naturally crave the things that we need to balance, but it's when we're disconnected. And that's why I think Ayurveda is so important guys. We need to come back. We need to reconnect to what our body actually wants, what's actually going to help our body. And I think I said this before, but, um, we have this tendency to, um, according to Ayurveda, disease comes from the mind, right? And we have this tendency. I spoke about this the other day on Instagram where, you know, after my yoga practice, I wanted a coffee, but I was feeling very rajasic post-practice, right? And maybe if I wasn't so tuned in, I would have just had a coffee and not thought about it. But I know that coffee is rajasic in nature. It is going to cause that sort of anxious feeling. And I was already feeling anxious. And I thought, is coffee going to help me or is it going to hinder me? And I chose not to have it. And so what I'm saying is in that moment, my body was kind of craving coffee, but sometimes our body lies to us. It tricks us. It sneaks us up. So it's important that before we really tune into our body, we kind of, we cleanse it out, right? We we go through a bit of like a detox period does not have to be like a three day detox. I'm going to try and do a full podcast on detox. Someone was asking me about that, but, um, we want to, we need to flush out the ama. We need to flush out the toxins so that we can really connect to what our body's actually telling us because I'm a huge fan of intuitive eating. I think intuitive eating is awesome, but intuitive eating does not work. If we are filled with toxins, if we're filled with ama, if our blood sugar is chronically high, we are going to crave the in Ayurveda, they would call it like wrong foods, but we're going to crave foods that are likely just going to perpetuate, like I said, that cycle of imbalance. And so detoxing super important. And the best time for detox guys is not January. It's not a great time for detox. According to Ayurveda, the spring, like as the season shift from like spring to summer and from like summer, fall into winter, where there's a big shift in like what we should be eating seasonally, that's the best time to, uh, to cleanse. And I'm going to be running a, month-long Ayurvedic detox in the spring, summer. So watch out for that. If you're interested, uh, let me know. All right. I just want to speak briefly about how Pitta is going to impact our yoga practice. And I'm going to link to the AYCT blog. If you just want like a really quick synopsis on the way that these um, doshas can impact our yoga practice. But so like I said, Pittas are super dedicated. They're determined. They're, you know, people who are entrepreneurs probably have to have some Pitta in them because if not, like you would just probably give up. They're very determined, very courageous, um, very driven. But when Pitta's out of balance, you can see how that would like go south real quick. So people who are Pitta get like obsessed with practice and they're so intense about it and they take it really seriously. Not me, like those other Pittas, like those are the ones who take practice seriously. I am like a Zen Buddha in the room. Just kidding. I'm definitely someone who takes my practice really seriously. Sometimes my pitta, I don't want to say my pitta is like often imbalanced, but I notice that because I am a pitta, I tend toward a pitta imbalance in the room. I take my practice really seriously. I get really intense about it. And it's like funny now. It's not bad or wrong. Like I said, the doshas aren't bad or wrong. It's just noticing 
the qualities of them as they come up. And I think it's so great that I now have like the language of the doshas to sort of describe what's going on, to describe what's happening in my practice. Like when I notice myself getting really intense, instead of me being like, ah, oh, I'm so intense. Why am I like this? I just kind of like smile and laugh. And I think, hmm, there's my pitta coming up again, you know, and my teacher, Vikram says, I never miss an opportunity to say my teacher, David Robson says, <laughs> So here I go, not missing an opportunity to say my teacher, David Robson says, but he does. He says that we use asanas as screens to reveal the impermanent nature of our thoughts and feelings. And I think I've said this before, but we can use asanas as screens to reveal the impermanent nature of our doshas as they ebb and they flow, you know, through the day, through our life, through different seasons. So I noticed times in my life where my pitta is like hella imbalanced in my practice. And now that I'm like aware of that and I have a language to describe it, I don't you know feel guilty or bad about it. I just call it for what it is. And then I just honor it as a part of my practice. And I don't you know, think too much about changing it or read into it or make up stories. I just notice it exactly as it is and I move on. All right. We are going to get into the last of the doshas, kapha dosha and kapha. This is really sexy guys. Kapha literally translates to phlegm. Oh yeah. Where my kapha's at. But actually it also means that which holds things together or that which binds things. And kapha is all about nourishment and it really provides substance and gives support. And it's the thing that makes up the bulk of our physical tissues. So mentally it provides us support, stability of mind, like that really ultimate grounding quality. And it's actually the um, thing that governs positive emotions like love and compassion and kindness and patience and forgiveness. And it's really like the vehicle or the substance that houses and holds the other two doshas. So it's really, really like physical in nature. When you think about um, vata is air and ether and pitta is fire and water. Kapha is water and earth. And it really embodies that earth element. And the qualities of kapha are wet, cold, heavy, dull, sticky, soft, and fixed or steady. And so when you look at the qualities of kapha, we can see those when we think about like nature, totally a spring time. If you're in Toronto ever in the spring, it is literally all of those things. It's always rainy. It's like heavy. It's like the mud is all sticky. Like that is total, um, total kapha. And so um, from a physical perspective, when we look at kapha, again, if you've done that dosha quiz, uh, you might have ticked these boxes, but kaphas tend to be on, like they're the opposite end of the spectrum of vata. These people tend to be on the heavier side. It's a lot easier for kaphas to gain weight. They'll generally have like thick hair, big features, big eyes, thick eyebrows, big forehead, big joints. Uh, and they're generally really strong and they have a really good endurance, but they generally lack motivation to get started. So uh, they can be lazy at times. Not me though, the other kaphas. <laughs> Um, and for kaphas, digestion is kind of slow, so they need lots of spices. Kaphas really like spices, and so this is something that I struggle with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As someone who's like a pitta and a kapha, pittas don't do well with spice, but kaphas do. So this is something, again, this is why I feel like understanding the doshas and understanding the characteristics and the qualities is super important, because if you are someone who has two doshas and you are a pitta kapha or even a pitta vata, because vatas do well with spices, but pittas don't, you really have to be sort of tuned into, okay, what's the season? How am I feeling right now? What is going on in my body? So that you're able to manage, say, kapha using spices, but not papitta out of balance. And so that's why I feel like Ayurveda is such a beautiful practice, but it's not something that we should look at and say, I'm kapha. So I need to do X, Y, and Z only. Even in the realm of kapha, if you ever look at like a food list for kapha, 
there will be certain foods that are, say, aggravating to some kaffas that for some, they have an easy time digesting. So don't just be like a passive participant. Uh, Ayurveda is all about being an active participant of your own healing journey. And yes, use the, you know, the guidelines, you know, take on some of the suggestions from those food lists, but don't just blindly follow them. Tune into your unique body at, in each moment, in each season, each time of your life, each moment of stress and make choices that are in alignment and that are healing and fueling for your unique body, not for general kaffas in general, because we have three doshas. And there's what, like 7 billion people, 6 billion people. I don't know how many billion people there are on the planet, but I'm a big believer. And this is what Ayurveda says as well, is that we are all unique, right? We, the foods that are right for me in this moment of my life are totally different, not totally necessarily, but can vary to other kaffas, other pitta kaffas. No two people are exactly the same. And that's why we need to be active participants, like I said, in our own healing journey. And we need to tune into our bodies and what makes us feel good, not just follow some protocol that's out there on the internet, not just follow some kaffa food list because we're kaffas. We really need to be practicing this sort of mindful, conscious eating approach, in my opinion. So a huge part of this is understanding, you know, when am I in balance? When am I out of balance? So I want to talk about kapha and what kapha looks like in balance. So when kapha is balanced, guys, oh man, you're strong, you're sturdy, you're grounded. I like to think of like an oak tree, you know, you're going to be calm and loving and patient and, you know, all really, really consistent. So in your physical practice, people who are kapha are probably like super consistent. They show up every day. They're super awesome. Now, when kapha is out of balance, <laughs> kaphas can be lazy and tired and it's really hard for them to get going physically. Um, kaphas probably tend to put on weight when they're out of balance. They tend toward like um, lots of phlegm. Um, they also might tend toward depression and sadness or this like dulling sort of quality. And, um, kapha also might manifest in the body as like a cough or finding it hard to breathe. So think of things that are like phlegmy, mucusy in nature, the real sexy sort of imbalances, you know what I mean? So in your physical practice, if you're a kapha, you might notice that it feels really hard for you to practice. Like you feel really lazy, you feel really tired. And I don't want to say lazy, that's not the right word. You feel really tired. It might feel hard for you to get going. You might feel like a lack of motivation. Um, it might feel hard for you to literally get up and, you know, get out of the house and go to your practice. It might be hard for you to get up in the morning. And so on your mat, it's really important that you, like if you're an ashtangi, you bring the heat, you know, like you bring, you up the tempo, you jump through. You should be jumping through and jumping back and building that heat in your body, building that sort of like you have good endurance, but you want to build up like a more almost you want to bring like a pitta quality to your practice, right? You want to try and be a little bit more intense as opposed to sort of like that natural sort of common quality that comes easily to you. All right. I feel like I've given you guys a ton of information. And even though this might feel like, oh my goodness, this is so much information, this really is like a high level overview of the doshas. Um, while there is a lot more to it, this is like a whole science. Like I said, all of Ayurveda is really around balancing the doshas. This is enough to really get you started on your own healing journey. Ayurveda is the science of self-healing. And so you can absolutely take on some of the suggestions and strategies that I have given you implement them and play around with balancing your dosha. And like I said, don't be so attached to like, I'm kapha, I'm pitta, I'm this. Really tune into like the qualities of the doshas, tune into those qualities as they manifest and show up in your life, in the world around you, in your food. These qualities are present everywhere. So really focus on those qualities and using like to attract like and opposites to balance. That's really the main take home message from this podcast. 
All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed my co-host, Sats. She, Sats, do you have anything to say? Mom. Yeah, good one. Yeah. Mama, Papa. Is that what you have to say? Satya. Yeah, good girl. <laughs> Satya. Satya, that's your name. You're a good co-host. Thank you. Satya. You heard it here. Truth. <laughs> All right. So if you enjoyed this podcast, I would so be grateful if you would give it a rating, if you would write a review, this lets iTunes or Spotify or whatever you're listening on know that you guys are listening and that you like what you're hearing. Um, if you have any suggestions for any future episodes, if you want to be featured on the podcast, if you have any suggestions for people you want me to interview, just send a little message to hello at melissasing.com. My secretary sats might, <laughs> might respond. And if you're not already following me on the gram, you can find me at Melissa Singh, Yogi Fuel over on Instagram. I think that is all. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed, especially I hope you enjoyed my co-host and I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.